Get ready for a no BS approach to health and fitness. This is NBS Fitness Radio. Welcome back to MBS Fitness Radio. I'm here with Leanne and Dale Foster of Neurosource. Guys, introduce yourself and just kind of tell me a little bit about what you guys do. Cool. Well, I'm Leanne, and my husband Dale and I have been running this pony show for, well, over 20 years together, and he's been doing this for over 35 years. And we basically help people become independently healthy by giving them the experiences and tools to retrain their brain and their nervous system and the physiology of their bodies. Why do they, why do they need to retrain it? What, what, what kicks it in the wrong direction? How's it get there? So many things. Um, you know, we have so many environmental toxins that we're dealing with right now and emf non-native emf right because the earth has the schumann resonance that's very healthy for us but with wi-fi and all these you know cell phones and all these things it's just energies that the human hasn't been living with forever um the blue light on mm. the you know on the phones and the computers um all these things are new to the human and so we're having a hard time. So we see, we do brain mapping and we see kids' brains and there's an alarming trend that these brains are low in power and they almost look like a dementia brain. Mm. And it's not that our kids are lazy. I don't want to hear that anymore. Our kids have had to deal with from in the womb, more chemicals and more non-native stressors than we've ever had in human history. So, okay. Trauma, you know, yeah. emotional trauma is just passed down generation after generation. And we live in a consensus reality of trauma. You know, you go to school and you're traumatized. You're put in a classroom where you have to sit still in a, in a box all day long when children don't naturally do that. And to cause them to have to do that is traumatizing. Yeah. Uh, and just all kinds of social, emotional trauma from just living life without enough of the opposite. Got the it. opposite of traumatization is a unitive experience where you have loving and nurturing and healthy social environments and nutrition and you, you feel safe. In, in our city, it's very hard to find a place to feel safe. The entire city. You know, it's it's crazy. So we're living with this craziness. And so we get dysregulated. And quite often, that's the source of emotional anxiety and depression and suicide, because we haven't been put back together as much as we've been torn apart. And mm. there's a deficit of health and it leads to dysregulation, and it needs to be corrected to get back on a normal, healthy path of growth and enjoyment and love. You know, you don't go around loving your neighbor. Yeah. You go around shooting at your neighbor uh, these days. And, and, and so we have to work really hard to pull ourselves back together, and we need to cooperate. People have to get involved in helping us heal and grow and evolve rather than tearing each other down and traumatizing each other. Okay. Talk to me about the brain maps. Like when you're, you're able to map this out, like what are we, what are you mapping specifically? So we do what's called quantitative EEG. Okay. So so the brain runs on electricity. Every thought that you think is a unique pattern of electricity that affects everything. It affects your hormones, your movement, your understanding, your ability to communicate. So the brain has functional networks. Okay. 
there's this area we found in the left front, uh, prefrontal cortex, which is the kind of the driver's seat. It's where you're conscious of what you're doing and you're able to focus on what you're doing long enough to accomplish a task that you have decided to accomplish for whatever reasons you have. And it also has to regulate your mood. Because if you don't feel like doing something, you're not going to do it. And we found that if that left prefrontal cortex is underactivated or dysregulated, you're going to feel depressed and you will probably have a hard time focusing. But when it's well-regulated, you'll have optimism and you'll be able to focus and accomplish the things you want to do. So we see a lot of kids diagnosed with things like ADHD. Well, it's a dysregulation in the brain. Well, the, normally the, the pharmaceutical medical industry will just throw stimulant medication at these kids, which can make them worse. They don't look at the brain. Doctors write prescriptions all day long without looking at the brain, and they're affecting it profoundly and giving these kids stimulant medication makes them anxious, it stunts their growth, it changes their genetic expression, and we give it out like candy. And it then becomes a street drug because these kids that don't like it, they collect it and sell it as a stimulant on, on the street market. So we've gotten into a pattern that is really dysfunctional. When you, okay, going back to the brain scans, essentially mm -hmm. you're tracking kind of electroactivity across the brain, and you can say this is this is like electroactivity we should see in a healthy, you know, full functioning brain. And then this is the activity, this lack of that activity or dysregulation of that activity shows us that something is, is going on incorrectly here. But here's my question. It like, what's it look like in that same area when the kid does have ADD or uh, does have is given Adderall or an ADHD medication? Have you seen a brain scan of a, of a kid who's on it? Yeah, so if you have an area of the brain that's dysregulated, you give a person a drug for that, and it does, doesn't affect that area of the brain. Mm, okay. It affects every network in the brain. It affects every brain cell. And so it, it's like a shotgun approach. Yeah, okay. it's not precise. It's not personalized. It's, it's ineffective. You know, so much of the time, and it predisposes a child toward addiction later because these drugs are addictive. They have the same pathway as cocaine, mm. but they're not the same strength. Uh, so you're predisposing your brain to that. And when they take these things like stimulant medication for years, they build up a tolerance and they have uh, essentially they have altered their brain toward another type of dysregulation. So it's not effective, but what we do with the brain map is we can look at all the networks and we can train them to cooperate because the reason one network is, is dysregulated is because it's not well coordinated with the rest of them. And so we can train those networks to communicate better, to share them. So the, the brain is an information system. It's sharing information with those squiggly electrical uh, EEG lines, and it does it on the millisecond level very, very fast. Uh, so what we want in a healthy brain is a brain that talks to itself, communicates with itself, gets activated by other networks because we want to, we have free will, and we, we need to be educated about how to do that. A lot of it is, is what maturation is. We, we get our brains able to communicate, not just with its own self, but with other brains. We have to be socialized. We have to be able to access consensus reality if we want to get along in consensus reality. And the brain, what we use are optimal databases. So we can look at a brain in 12,000 voxels, compare it to the optimal and see if it's underactivated, overactivated, communicating well, because uh, it can be overactivated in some areas, but underactivated in others. And I want to I want to make a comment here because I don't want to shame parents who've put their kids on stimulant medications. Um, you know, all the medications in the psychiatric world were originally intended to be used short term, and they can be effective short term. 
and a, a kid whose brain is underpowered and understimulated is the kid who's going to take Adderall or Ritalin, and they're actually going to do better because it's given their brain some energy. But we really need to be coming up with a long-term plan to help the brain re-regulate itself rather than getting that brain addicted to that chemical, which over time downregulates the body's own dopamine system, which is yep. the opposite of what we want to happen. So I don't want to shame anybody. There's times where it is appropriate. When a kiddo is suicidal and they're failing school, it can be very appropriate and helpful to have them on those meds for a short period of time, but we need to come up with a long-term solution that's training the whole system. Okay. So <clears throat> what are the tools that you guys use to help train these brains and get them back to regulating uh, optimally? Well, we've been doing what's called operant conditioning for a long time. We learned how to train rats and cats and dogs, and, and we found out that humans can be trained just like a rat can. You can reward something, and it increases. So what you do is you, you have to be able to measure it and present the reward in a timely manner for that organism to learn how to do it on its own. So okay. operant conditioning is basically what we do with neurofeedback. We, we have to measure it, show it to that organism, to that person fast enough, and it has to be rewarding enough. Uh, an adult, you know, could watch a green dot because they know what they're doing. But a kid, we might watch a Disney movie that fades out as they get worse, and fades in as they get better. And if they want to watch the movie, they've got to optimize those functions that we're working on. So it's it, like, okay. like the cheese, moving the cheese just right, and the rat will learn the maze. But it happens so quickly, it's a physiological training. It's not cognitive. They're not thinking their way into this. And then we use neurostimulation that's very safe and very, very personalized in the moment uh, to help. If Like if a kiddo's brain is so underpowered, that they're having a hard time learning doing the neurofeedback, we can stimulate their brain very safely and non-invasively to kind of push it a little bit into the zone that we want it to learn to be in. Got it. Okay. All right. Can can you go into a little more more depth of like what is happening? Uh, like, so uh, take me for example. Paint me the picture. I come. I'm coming. I come into uh, your office. And you're like, hey, like we can, we're gonna help do this. We're gonna do this training. I'm watching a green dot. The feedback I, I'm getting is, or, or let's say this is a Disney movie, but the feedback I'm getting is it's that moving, it's moving. It's not a green dot. It's, so it gets bigger as a reward and smaller to remove it. It's like giving it cheese and not giving it cheese. Gotcha. So I know two times a second. So this is technology that's faster than you can think. Like Leanne so the, said. So what is the activity that I'm doing to impact what I'm looking at? So what am I doing? So we're you're sitting with a, a 19 channel EEG cap on and you're watching this big screen movie and we're coaching you because we're with you. We're watching your brain the whole time. And so we're training you how to be in what we call the ARF state. You're You're awake, you're alert, but you're relaxed and you're focused. So we're kind of training you in a peak performance state of being so that your brain learns. Because frankly, most of us, when we're alert and aware, we tend to be a little anxious. Yeah. And when we're relaxed, we tend to be falling asleep. Yeah. So that alone, just training people to be in the ARF state is, is great because you're training peak performance learning state. Okay, yeah. That makes sense I'm asking me. about the mechanism a little bit, a little more concrete. So if your brain waves are being measured fast enough and reflected back to you fast enough, then you start to get a feeling. And you start to identify what you, how you have to feel so you can watch that movie because it's literally physically connected to the movie in the computer. Yeah. And it's not our words coaching you. We just try to get you focused. So yeah. if you focus on the feedback, 
you will start to get a feeling. It's kind of like riding a bike. You can't talk somebody into knowing how to ride a bike. You know, you can give them all the words in the world, but they still don't know how to ride a bike until they get the feeling of balance. And we're training the state that is the optimal performance state that allows them to optimize you know, mood, optimize arousal, optimize focus, optimize self-control, optimize the ability to listen. Uh, but they don't, it doesn't matter. You know, yeah. it's kind of like the rat. If you ask the rat, what was it like to run the maze after it learned it? What would they say? I don't know. I just took the lefts and rights. <laughs> I always ask this. But I remind them that the rats don't talk. Yeah. <laughs> they don't say nothing. Yeah. Okay. But they learned it because they learned it at a cellular level. They're changing the very biology that runs their information system. And it happens at the speed of light. Electricity travels at the speed of light. And we're doing that all the time. We're quantum beings. And we're feeling something uh, all the time. And when we want to feel a certain way, if we look at the brain network that causes that, if we want to function a certain way, we can look at that function in the brain. We have functional networks. So you can learn to regulate mood, motor activity, thought, uh, impulse control, all kinds of stuff. If you want to feel a certain way, we can help you exercise that neural network responsible for that function or that feeling so some people come in for peak performance training cognitive like you know we've had some pilots who want to come in and make captain and so they'll come in and do training we their sports teams are using this more and more uh because you know so much of you know you're an athlete how much of that is mental right and the physiology yeah Yeah. uh they had a, a series on Netflix called a quarterback and Kirk cousins was, he had the equipment on and was doing yeah. training in his car. You could see him kind of doing his, his, his training. So yeah. Uh, that's very uh, interesting. Um, when you're watching someone what, what are you guys saying? Like, how do you introduce it to someone? Cause I, like, what do you, you are there coaching them to a degree? It's like, what, what is, what are you saying to, to that person? So before anybody makes an appointment with us, they have to have a phone consultation because we need, we need to help people understand what we're doing here. Right. This is not new. This has been being done for decades. The military has been doing this for a very long time, but it's not conventional. So we want people to understand that this is a process we're doing with you. It's a training, not a treatment. Um, But, you know, when we're coaching them, we're really like Dale said, we're not using a lot of words. It might be things like relax your jaw. We can see in the EEG when they're tight. We can see if they're, you know, burrowing their eyebrows. We can see if they've got muscle tension. So we're trying to help them relax and just allow the experience to happen so that their body can learn because our words and our thinking mind get in the way so often of our learning. Oh, yeah. I can. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Most of of all, we encourage them to notice the reward. Yeah. That's what the rats had to do to learn the maze. If they didn't see the cheese, you know, they wouldn't move toward it. So it's easy for a rat. It's hungry. So a kid comes in and they don't particularly care to be here. And they don't particularly care this for this movie, you know, even though they chose it and they're bored and they're distractible and they want to get their iPhone out, you know, and, and do something else. So we encourage them to notice the reward. And with some, we do a point system. Every time we get, every time you get your brain to move toward optimal, like every two minutes, we'll get a bar graph that pops up. Every time you get a better score, every two minutes, you get points. And when you get a thousand points, you get a price. So we, it's behavior modification. 
you know, like a coach would do. You know, if you can get more tackles, you know, you're going to get something on your helmet, whatever. Uh, so uh, we just, just it, we have to personalize it. What's going to motivate this person if they're not motivated? Most of the time, they're well motivated because they know they've got to do better if they want the rewards of whatever school or sports or job. Okay. So like in the analogy of training, I guess I'm going to use something like learning how to do a bodyweight squat. There's, there's a technique involved and I have to train enough to learn how to do that technique. Once I possess that technique, I don't really have to do extra training. I already have it. I just implement it occasionally when I do squats. But then the other side of that equation is if I want to improve my squat strength, I must continually train, continually train, continually train. And there really is no end point. The more I squat, the better I get at squats. So like using those kind of analogies, maybe they're not the best analogies, but like, how does this apply? Is it, is it, Hey, after enough times, you kind of have the, you have the kind of the tools and tactics now just implement them in your life. Or is it like, like the more you do, the better you get. And that's like a, forever process yeah you automate it you habituate it and if you don't do it enough it doesn't become a habit but once you get the habit it's hard to stop yeah got it okay yeah yeah it it feels how i exist yeah well and the process of neurofeedback upregulates dopamine function so now you've upregulated the whole motivation system. So neurofeedback yeah. should not be a lifelong thing. Like if we're yeah. not, we don't feel like we're doing our job if people aren't done through the package. And we, every person that we see here, we aren't doing some protocol that's done on a bunch of people. Everybody gets completely individualized treatment. Yeah. But our goal is to get them out of here. And so that their brain is now on a forward moving path. And yeah, unless- something happens like a head injury, God forbid, which we treat head injury. Yeah. No, but they should be good to go. Uh, yeah. So it's essentially it's like, like we're going to teach you these tools and tactics. And then like the feedback is going to tell you, is going to show you that like, this is a, this feels better. And then you're going to essentially just seek that out because it does feel better. And exactly. you should continue. Yeah. To yeah. But like, like, let's say I come in, I do some nerve feedback training. I kind of get, I got in like, this is great. COVID happens. My business gets shut down. It's like stress, 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 comma, trauma. Is it like, is, is there an instance where it like that, where like, man, like, uh, I feel like I've kind of lost it a little bit. I need to kind of get back and get, get some more kind of training back in. Yeah. Sometimes people do, they encounter those traumatic or stressful situations and they'll come back in and say, I need, I just need a boost. Yeah. Okay. Or kids, you know, we've trained kids who've been maybe seven, eight years old for ADD and they come in in high school and go, I want some more sessions because I'm about to take the ACT. Okay. So just a boost. But by the time they've already learned that skill, it it doesn't take much to get them back on track. That makes sense. Most of the time, it's like training wheels. Once you learn how to ride that bike, you take the training wheels off because they got in the way. They slow you right. down. But you might be upgrading your bike. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, as a kid, you're one thing. As an adolescent, you're yeah. just raging hormones, <laughs> and you might yeah. not be able to control this new bike. Right, this might be a much bigger bike. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and it may be something you know, that is needed for a new set of training wheels for this new system. But also, in regard to that, we do – talk to people a lot about lifestyle because we can't bail out a boat if you're shooting holes in the bottom of it. So we do need to talk about diet and body movement and sun, sunlight, light hygiene, sleep hygiene, stress management skills, relationship, you know, support, all the things that make a healthy, well-rounded, enjoyable life. Like at the end of the day, and we tell all our clients like this, we want you to enjoy your life more. You know, some people might want you to perform better. We want you to enjoy your life. That's the biggest goal. Because if you enjoy your life, you're going to do better at everything. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Well, yeah. So talk to me a little bit about that with regards to, uh, 
like there's a training we do here at the office, but then when you get home to help this stick and to stop like smashing your body with these negative um, interactions, like what are the biggest common things that people are doing that's 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 messing up their brains? Yeah. Well, with our kids, it's most definitely blue light. Okay. So we talk about using the blue light protection on the phones and the computers getting good blue light blocking glasses, changing your light at home so that when sundown hits, you've got dim orange tinted lighting. It's huge. It's much bigger than we thought. And and we also teach being aware of your own thinking straight. You know, if you're negative and putting yourself down, you know, because you were traumatized by somebody else who told you you were that, you have to pay attention to taking charge of your own thinking as part of the work. And, and we do ARF checks and coherent breathing and exercise. Those are all things everybody has to do. And, and we check it. You know, you make a personalized list of goals. What do you want out of this? And then in addition to those goals, we have a list of behaviors that if you really want these things, you got to take care of the engine. If you if you want it to run smooth, you got to change the oil. You got you got to feed it good quality fuel and all those kinds of things. So that's just part of the package. We coach that with every session. If you decide what you want out of life, and is it reasonable? If you're thinking straight, it is. People come in with good goals, and then we help you get them and help you sustain the effort even when you don't have someone coaching you and training your brain because we want you to habituate fun. We want yeah. you to make your life as, as happy and joyful and successful and optimal as possible. So we do coaching as well as that in the same session. Dale, you have like a very Matthew McConaughey vibe and voice. <laughs> Anyone ever told you that? I have never heard that before, but I love Matthew McConaughey. I was like, I was like, man, who does he sound like? I was like, Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. Yeah, no, I was like, I love. I mean, I, I, I love the way you and him talk. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I um, uh, one thing that we did at our house. I have like Lutron lighting throughout my house it's, and I just I set it to go to whatever 10%, 20%, whatever the like dim setting is at like six, six thirty every night. Yeah. Great. And um, yeah, I can't, I, I don't know. I don't know. I can tell the difference. I don't know if I can tell much of a difference to my kids. They're pretty wired up 24 seven, but, <laughs> but you got boys, don't you? I got two little boys and a little girl. So, and they're, okay. Five, four, and two. Oh, yeah. They need like they need about an hour of just to the tilt exercise, like somewhere between five and six o'clock. So, and if they get that, they're they're usually okay. Sometimes that means like like WWE wrestling with dad for an hour. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Dale used to take videos. We have so our kids are in their twenties. And we have all these videos that we play during the holidays. And every dinner hour, they would get up and perform. Like that was the hour for them, right? They get up and they're wild, dancing and singing and putting yeah. on shows. You know? <laughs> yeah, they're like, "Mom and Dad's home. We're yeah. we're gonna go wild. That's just yeah. fun." Um, but yeah, I uh, yeah for for myself, like one of the one of the statements I made the other day was like. I was like, I would sell your car, buy a ten thousand dollar less car, and put all ten thousand dollars of that into like sleep. Yeah, <laughs> because like the car is gonna get is gonna come and go, but like your sleep, uh, this impact of your sleep is your yeah. entire life. Yeah. And that blue light is affecting our sleep. It's, yeah. it's melatonin and dopamine are taking a big hit. Yeah. You know, and if you don't sleep well, your body cannot repair itself. And yeah. so that's why we're seeing this huge growth in chronic disease that can't even be diagnosed. It's systemic. Yeah. And I think, you know, um, from my side, I make mean, it's pretty, pretty easy for me to say, like, you train today, you put your body through stress. We have to provide it the uh, recovery time for it to rebuild itself. 
But then from your from y'all's side, it's essentially like you're stressing your brain out all the freaking time. Like all day long, it's this light in your face. It's constant stimulation from your phone. It's constant, uh, just constant low level stress all the time that you never get a break from. And then y'all are seeing, like we would see that in the degradation of your body. We, you would lose muscle mass. You would get injured. You would perform poorly. And y'all are seeing it in the brain, like all the same things. Yeah. Or poor performance, injury. Um, um and uh degradation yeah yeah it makes that makes total sense so we got yeah blue light where are some of the other big big things that the people are, are are doing that's having a negative impact on their brain so i think one of the biggest things right now is so we train heart rate variability with all neurofeedback sessions so that allows us to train resilience and anti-fragility into the system so it, we can do that with tech, but I think we need to start at very young ages. So we we give our families this exercise where we have them, you know, unfortunately our brains evolutionarily are geared to look for what is wrong and what might hurt us, right? Yeah. It, that's just the salience that we're going to notice. But if but we can train our brains to look for what's beautiful and funny and amazing and heartwarming, right? Uh, and so, like we can train our we train our families in the morning. You're having breakfast, and you remind everybody every day is a treasure hunt, right? And our job, all of us, is to go out and look for what's stinking beautiful and amazing and funny, and you know. And when we come home tonight, everybody's going to tell their tales. We're going to hear from everybody. What did you see today and experience today? And how did it make you feel? Like we have to train people to feel excited and just, you know, on fire and happy. We got to train up that dopamine. And so then after everybody shares, you can literally sit down and do like a five minute meditation where you think about those things. You might put some pretty music on, but the, the goal is actually to feel to grow the feelings of joy and happiness and an appreciation and ecstasy right and if you do that together there's an energy that's created and then you start to go out and look for what's beautiful instead yeah. of looking for what what do i have to fix and what's going to go wrong today yeah. i'm totally stealing every day as a treasure hunt that i will just that will hit home yeah. with, my, with my kids because like we would go on a treasure hunt like we would yeah. do that yeah we're going treasure hunt yeah we'll go outside just walk but yeah. uh i love that so i love that I yeah because when we all them. go out and think about what's wrong or have to solve like every time we get angry or frustrated or scared our immune system drops about 70 percent for seven hours that's just mm. one instance wow. right but three to five minutes once you get used to this ecstasy practice or joy or happiness practice three to five minutes can bring that all back up online so imagine a world where children have been taught that from day one now we have people who can listen to each other and actually hear what they're saying instead of hearing through trauma lenses or hearing what you expect to hear that's negative and now we could change the world like let's do that (laughs) i'm gonna try it tomorrow Cool. It'd be like, all right, guys, get your daggum shoes on so we can go on this treasure hunt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're running out of time. We gotta do, we gotta hurry up. You know. It, well, that, that, again, I, you know, I I get it, man. Like that's the uh, that is the the rat race we kind of find ourselves in. Yeah. It's the hurry up and hurry up from this this thing to this thing to this thing. Yeah. Uh, so I love the idea of just kind of like training ourselves to hey, slow down a little bit. Let's focus. Like when we get wrapped up in this um, stress, high anxiety, go, 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 constant kind of feedback, feedback, feedback. It's hard to bring it back down to a parasympathetic. Yeah. Oh, everything's good. We're good. Balance. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking the other day, um, I may make this my pay. I've been like playing with the opposes man those in my in my head lately, but it was essentially like something along the lines of of like we're the first people in history that can control the temperature, and that's why we complain about the temperature. 
we're the first people in history that can control and choose what we eat. And that's why we complain about what we eat. Yeah. We're the first people in history could choose our jobs. And that's why we complain about our jobs. Yeah. Like our, um, we do a really poor job of objective reality and gratitude. Yeah. Everything's, everything's subjective in comparison to whatever this thing. And, uh, the reality is, it's like, like whatever, uh, uh, Carnegie and all these super wealthy people from the 1800s, like they never had, they didn't have medicine, they didn't have HVAC, <laughs> they didn't have, uh, they didn't have a way to communicate with people instantly, they had none of that stuff. They're the richest people that has ever existed, and like yet, pretty much every person, even at the lowest income bracket in America, has a better overall lifestyle than they did back then, and yet we're still ungrateful. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. But we've, yeah. I mean, we've lost so much connection with each other. Yep. Yeah. That's the, um, the, uh, the, the consequence. Uh, and again, going back to like, we're the first people in history that could talk to anyone in the world. And yet we feel more lonely than we ever have. And we don't have those social connections and tribes that we interact with on a, on a, on a regular basis that we're interconnected with. Yeah. Um, we're isolated in our constructions of reality, you know, our little cubicles, you know, we're not with our feet on the ground, you know, with other people around us, we're in our little cubicles uh, where we don't see or talk to people uh, yeah. and, and feeling rushed to get the work done so that, uh, we end up feeling isolated and we don't make the time or the effort to build community. Yeah. But it, some do. It's it's an option. You have to learn to optimize your your community sense and your connection. And I call it habituating unitive experience. We need to make it a habit to connect with people, to connect with nature, connect mm -hmm. with the universe. We're all yeah. in the same field. You know, it's one continuum and we're all physically connected yeah. to, to each other all the time all time and space too so to meditate it, it, meditation is on the rise people are realizing that i need to uh and is becoming popular which is a really good thing and so it's a matter of doing it so that you live in that state you can live yeah. in a meditative state a state of experiencing oneness and wholeness that's what we try to teach. What are some of the tools and tactics that you send people out with? That I come in here and I, and I train and then, but like, is there, is there a, um, a trigger something that like, like I, I'm going to, I'm going to get stressed out. Like, what do you teach? How do I trigger myself to have the realization that I'm being stressed out and pull myself back into that, that optimized state I'm looking for? Well, the first thing we do is give them homework. Okay, if you, yeah. want, if you want to habituate something, you have to do it enough so yeah. that it gets easier. And we train coherent breathing where your brain and your heart and your breath are coherent, which balances the nervous system. So if you're unbalanced with sympathetic up and parasympathetic down, you're literally, you know, on the brink of falling off your vehicle you know you, you have to live in a state of balance you need to know some quick coherence techniques how to get back into coherence breathing breathing meditation and just centering your own self in your own space yeah. is, is part of that so that's the basic you know realizing when you're have when you've got stinking thinking you know, this is an irrational belief because I feel the way I don't want to feel and I'm doing things I don't want to do. So what's causing that? It's my thinking. You know, if I want to get my thinking, if I want to feel better and do better, I got to think better. And so yeah. we help them identify specific kinds of thinking, thinking like awfulizing, you know, yeah. everything is awful. This is horrible. You listen to yourself say those words. What do you think your body and brain are doing? Yeah. They're unbalancing you. Are you going to be better at doing this thing while balanced? Or are you going to be worse? You know. Yeah. Uh, so you learn to get balanced, learn to do the breathing meditations, learn to get the thinking straight, learn to eat right, you know, learn to hydrate right, learn to sleep right. And then you're resilient and anti-fragile 
and bumps and potholes don't bother you. you your shock absorbers can handle it, uh, but you got to train up to that. It, yeah. it, it doesn't come naturally very much because we're so stressed out from everything. Well, on that treasure hunt, you know, if you do that long enough and you take pictures, most people have phones now and take pictures of the things that are beautiful. You can begin to like, it doesn't help us to think, oh no, I'm thinking like crap. I mean, it's, it's a first part of awareness, right? But whatever we focus on, we get more of. So you have to have the replacement ready. Right, so you've right. got to have that treasure box full of those beautiful experiences you've spent some time nurturing and yeah. growing. Um, and, you know, for adults, we really love Joe Dispenza's work. Um, yeah. You know, his meditations are more like an amazing workout. Yeah. Just music and the hypnotherapy and the visualization. And so there's some really cool tools that you can use to get trained up in that. Um, one of the things that, that I've heard, that I heard that I thought was very helpful was, is, is essentially if I find that this is kind of going haywire, sometimes it's hard to, to use this, to get this back, yes. but, but I can use this to get this back. So <clears throat> the idea being is like, it's the breath. It's like. I find this is going out of control. Get my breath back under control. Let me just focus on my breath. Yeah. Now when that gets back under control, yeah. Now I can kind of get this spinning back in the, in the other direction, yeah. or the cold tub, or like some type yeah. of uh, yeah. you know, just cold water in your face. So yeah. essentially, like, to, <laughs> if your brain's spinning one this way, it's actually it's actually just a new stress, but it is the type of stress we're a little bit more adapted to, which is the instantaneous here and gone type of stress versus the continual chronic yeah. stress. Mm -hmm. it, it just kicks you like whatever. If you're thinking about anything else, you get in the cold tub, it's going to cause you to that to go bye-bye in your brain and then force you to get back into your body and back into your breath. Cause you're, yeah. you're, you're saying, well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it forces yourself to calm back down and then you can kind of, okay, yeah. now I've got this, I've got this thing. It was spinning this way. I've got it. I've got it um, stopped. And now I can kind of get it going back in the other direction. Yeah. And everybody's unique. You know, we treat a lot of people with chronic trauma, childhood trauma. And for a lot of those people, focusing on the breath is anxiety producing. Like there's such a thing as relaxation induced anxiety for somebody whose system has felt safer being hyper vigilant, getting yeah. them to relax can be anxiety provoking. So we have right. to figure out different ways. And you're right. Usually that's through the body. What can, how can we use the body in a way to get into the nervous system? What do you use? Like for those it's people, different. what would you do? Yeah. What are some examples that, that have worked? Well, like one of the, I don't know if you're familiar with Zach Bush, he created a four minute exercise called the nitric oxide dump. Mm. So it upregulates brain derived neurotrophic factor. And it's a simple four minute exercise. So that's something that you could habituate. You can even pull up a video and look at that. That that's been really well researched. So it gets the, the brain nitric oxide dump. Oh, oh, who is the guy? Zach Bush, incredible doctor. Okay. Um, but, you know, everybody's different. Like some people will connect more with like yoga nidra. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so we kind of, we got to, got to work with people and help really Dale likes to put it this way. We're training people how to be their own N of one scientist. Like, you know, we're always evolving. So things aren't going to stay the same. So how do I figure out how to hack myself? Yeah. 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 I gotta look at the data. I need to be realistic about what works for me. You know, yeah. I'm, I am not a group. You know, you get a group and you find out what works for most people. Yeah. Am, am I one of those most people who is average? You know? right. <laughs> yeah, I may be way out on any end, either end of the spectrum. And so I've got to right. find out what works for me. I can, I can look at what works for others and try it. Yeah. When, when I was a kid, I, uh, age 12, I bought a book on yoga trying to figure out how not to be so anxious. And I started doing alternate nostril breathing. And I said, this is weird, but it works. <laughs> and um, so that you won't find a lot of that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, uh, 
Well, and I think for like myself, I, like I, this is just who I am. I've just I've always been the, the knucklehead that's like, I'll try that. Let's see how it works. Like, like saunas, let's do that. Cold tub, let's do that. Let's do the crazy breathing stuff. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's try this exercise. Let's rock. Like, take my shoes off. Like, I love the hacking thing, but, but I do find that like uh, sometimes uh, what I'm trying to do now is like share people like, like like this is 20 plus years of it. Like this is, yeah. You're just, I, I've taken 50,000 steps. You're on step 10. Like this is focus on step 10, but uh, it can be a little bit overwhelming when you're like, well, like you do the sauna, you do this, you do your breathing, you do this with your lights at night, you do this, you wear the blue blockers. You're like, holy crap. Yeah, like no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm trying to just, like, I, it's too much because it's overwhelming and too much. So, yeah, that's a great point. And we do, we start slow with people and we, we talk about what, what is the, lever that we can pull that's going to give you the most bang for your buck right off the bat and let's work on that one yeah, <laughs> you know? uh, yeah correct what's the one what's the what's the one thing you can implement that's gonna have the biggest roi with the lot the, the smallest investment yeah this, that, yeah absolutely but you said something that i want to talk about for a second at least you said uh, you know take mushrooms so we will be involved we've already been involved some with maps and, and, you know, psilocybin and MDMA will be legal for therapeutic use. And you need to make sure you've got a trained therapist. And we already do ketamine therapeutically, meaning we're not just putting an IV or a drug in people where there's therapy involved. There's preparation. We're with them during the experience. They may do neurofeedback with ketamine, which changes the brain extremely quickly, but then there's integration. Now, what does that experience mean for how you move forward? And those are like fast tracks to trauma healing, addiction healing. Like it's exciting. That is so exciting. I mean, we're moving in the right direction. What do you think the timeline is for the psilocybin becoming, well, I don't know if legal is the term, but uh, therapeutically legal? So one of our, the PA who prescribes our ketamine is is a researcher and on uh, one of the boards of MAPS. And he says at the end of 2024 or in the beginning part of 2025, we're going to see that happen. Interesting. How, okay. How would you help someone to determine if that is the right next step? Because um, I think for for a lot of people, there's going to be a kind of preconceived notion about utilizing those substances, and uh, and and maybe they're not necessary for something. I don't know. But like, how do you how do you guide people through through that conversation? Yeah, it's not for everybody. Yeah, so it's individual and, and it's very personalized because every experience with an entheogen is going to be different depending on who it is, where they are in their process. So you have to make sure that they're well supported and that this makes sense to them and yeah. that they can handle that kind of experience. They're not fragile, uh, although they may have lots of trauma, you know, you've got to make sure as, as well as you can, that this is going to be healing. Yeah. It's not, and taking it seriously means getting ready for it, making right, sure the mindset is right and the setting is right. And the integration is there because that's what you want to do with this is it's an entheogen. It helps you experience the God within. Yeah. Uh, and so if it's, used properly you're going to feel more unified you're going to feel more whole more loved and loving more peaceful and joyful uh but if it's botched by a therapist who doesn't know how to make that happen or help and support that to happen then it could be more trauma yeah. well and, and but even during those processes i've had some of my most profound i had a lot of childhood trauma and some of my most profound healing has been with MDMA and psilocybin. And we did it very therapeutically, but I will say that the experiences themselves with the entheogen were hard. Yeah. Were hard. 
but it was the process and the integration afterward where it really created a profound difference on how I perceive life, you know? And so um, like when we screen people for ketamine, you know, there are things that we're looking for. We're looking for certain medications that they're on that might be a no. Uh, if you've had psychotic breaks, it's probably not a good idea. Um, you know, ketamine actually can be addictive, unlike the other, unlike the psychedelics. Yeah. They actually help people come out of addiction, but ketamine can have an addiction risk. And so you've got to be careful about who you're allowing to do these things. Yeah. I, uh, So my question is, a lot of the talk I hear is 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 for like addiction, like super trauma, some of that stuff. <clears throat> for someone who maybe hasn't experienced that, but also is like, I don't know, just something like, just don't feel like I'm getting the most out of life. I'm just not yeah. super connected to myself. Like, can you share a little bit of the difference between how it can help one and the other, or even someone who's like, I, I do feel pretty connected and I am a good spot. Like what's the, is there a usage at each of those levels? And like, how does it differ? Yeah. Well, what you, you know, the mystical experience has been in the literature. Uh, and that's what religions come from. It, the purpose of a religion is to reconnect or re-ligament us to the universe, to the, the oneness, the, to, to God, to the spirit. So if you do an entheogen, you will have a profound experience if you do it properly. And that yeah. profound experience, quite frankly, we haven't found many other ways to have that. I mean, uh, yeah. Meditation schools say you can train for 40 years and have those. <laughs> Who's got 40 years to train before they get integrated and feel well enough to actually live instead of kill themselves? Right. So so this, these are super duper fast highways to the experience that's going to make you love everyone. Yeah. If you have a unitive experience, you're not going to harm anyone else because you're one with them. You, you see others as part of you. You don't go yeah. around, you know, shooting yourself unless you're very, very disturbed. Yeah. If you have a unitive experience, you're going to feel the love for all humanity. So what if everyone felt the love for all humanity? We wouldn't be having wars anymore. So the, there are risks. But I think we're realizing at this state of the world, those risks are worth the benefit. Yeah. Honestly, if we don't do something big to remind ourselves that we're all together, we're one in this, and we better uh, step up and start loving each other or we're going to be extinct. We got to love each other, love the planet, love life. And that's what you do when you go up on the mountain and see God. You come down and say things like, God is love, God is one, God is infinite. And, and whether you use the word God or not is immaterial. Uh, you don't have to have some kind of religious jargon to experience your true oneness with the universe. And so having those experiences will and are transforming the world, uh, quite frankly, better than the religions we have right now, because religion typically is cultural, limited. And, and when we're in a culture, we see the us and the them. You're not with me. You're against me because you're X and I'm Y. And, and that's what our cultures do. They divide us. These are experiences that are legitimate, that you come back more whole, more healed, more healthy, more generous, more loving, more peaceful. That's what the religions are trying to do uh, traditionally. Uh, well, and a lot of, you know, healthy people who might not have a lot of trauma or, you know, addiction or anything to deal with are using them and coming up with very creative ideas about how we can move forward. So it enhances creativity. It enhances productivity. Empathy. Empathy. So essentially, just wherever you are on the, the spectrum, it helps you push further down that. that Where it, what's next for you. And you're unique. 
in the whole universe. And one interesting thing that's that's already in place is that you can now apply for a compassionate use certificate. So someone has been given a terminal diagnosis, they can apply for this compassionate use certificate and have therapeutic use of an entheogen that helps them overcome the fear of death. Like that's awesome. And live the rest of their life having fun rather than trembling in the face of death. Is that state regulation or federal regulation or both? Federal. So there's some interesting things going on now. The Supreme Court years ago ruled that any religious institution could have its sacraments. So there are actually legally protected churches in the states that will serve psilocybin, ayahuasca, different medicines, um, and they're protected. They have to do it under their church. So there are places where you can go and join a certain church, and the healthy ones have an entire community and environment of healthy therapeutic support around them. A culture, a healthy culture. There's one called the Church of the Sacred Synthesis in Austin that is that way. Um, so there are some legal ways to do it. And, you know, we all, we are all for legality. Like we're not going to be out doing these things until they're legal. <laughs> what's the balance here between, what's the balance between utilizing the substances and then becoming reliant on the substances? Because you're saying like, hey, we have, we have all these tools in our toolbox. There is like you're training yourself. We can do the, the outside stimulation. But then we also have the, the substances we can use. Um, and I like I, what I see in every aspect of life and training is there's people who are go for whatever reason. I'm not I'm not doing any of the stuff. I want to be pure. And I see people who go like. I can't do it without this stuff. I would like completely rely on it. So where's the balance between like understanding that this is something you can use and it's there and it's a, it's a resource and then, but it's not, it's not the only path to take. Yeah. Yeah. I think that comes back to taking personal responsibility for optimizing yourself and everyone you come in t- contact with. Uh, if you're going to do this as a as seeking a, a drug experience uh, that doesn't make you more connected and loving and functional, you, you need to examine your own heart. Okay. And, and you need to be in a culture, a community of people who can look you in the eye and say, you're full of bullshit. When you are, <laughs> you, you have to seek that people yeah. who you can trust to keep you in check because our egos, you know, that's what we're, that's what's happening with these things. In order to see God, you have to let go of your ego because your ego senses you are separate. Yeah. And they've done the science and neuroscience shows us that when you're having these experiences, your default mode network, which is your ego is who you think you are and all these ideas about reality, it dissolves into hyper-coherence with the whole brain, and your whole brain gets excited into this gamma frequency energy and brain waves that is where ecstasy and bliss and oneness and creativity, and you feel love infinitely. You feel like you are loved. You know, that's what we say God is. God is love. And you come back and you say, God is love, man. You know, <laughs> give me a hug. I mean, it's, it's, it's profound and it can be misused or it can be used to help heal the world. And quite frankly, every human being on this globe has been traumatized from before birth while in the mother's womb. You know, there was an individual being traumatized, you know, by consensus reality. Consensus reality says that your worth is how much money you got in the bank. Your worth is what you can do for me. You know, your worth is how 
pretty you are, how many movies you've been in, you know, all this garbage that we're taught by consensus reality is ongoing constant trauma because it's not true. Mm -hmm. Every one of us is of infinite worth, and so you go into a unit of experiences, experience, and you come out and you say, I have worth, man. <laughs> I'm one with God. You know, It's not me that's God. I, my ego is not God. Uh, but I, I'm God. You're God. You're God. We're all God. And it's, you know, you can talk about the hippies, you know, coming out and love, man. <laughs> you know, but that's why they were saying those things. You know, they were experiencing oneness with God and coming back and talking about it and, you know, writing hearts all over and flowers all over the van and, and sleeping with each other, you know, so, so, uh, <laughs> we don't want to go it, there. It, it, there's a, there's a boundary there about how the individual has to be responsible for how they function as unifying force. Am I a unifying force or am I a destructive trauma producing force? Well, and the community that you're with, like we, you know, we have to be responsible to one another. So if somebody, you know, would, you know, come to us and say, well, I'd like to do ketamine because that's what we can do right now. Well, why? What, what is it that you want out of that? We need to talk about what you're trying to achieve because if it's just a high or an escape, that's not enough. Yeah. Yeah, they call yeah. it spiritual bypass. You know, I just want to get high and avoid my issues versus I want to be whole and healthy yeah. so I can help the world. How, how does someone distinguish? You said it's very important that they have a good guide, a good, um, um, I don't think the word that, that you use, facilitator is yeah. yeah. How, well, do they, how do you distinguish that? So there will be, um, that's one of the things that they're working on right now. That is the reason that it's not legal right now is because they're working on how they're establishing the standards. the standards and the values and the training that facilitators will need to go through so that we're making sure that we're getting proper ethical, high level care. Because when you know people are under a, an altered state of consciousness, we need to have even more ethic and care with right. them. Protection, you know, we, facilitators need to create a container so that this person who is out of touch with consensus reality won't be taken advantage of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that, that has happened. I mean, we all know that that's happened. And so there's a, there are a lot of groups that we've, had some encounters with who are trying to establish a very high ethic. Um, and so there will be, eventually, there will be websites where you can see who has the certification, what kind of ratings do they have. And then at the end of the day, people need to, like, you know, with any, if you're going to go try to find a counselor or a coach or whatever, you need to make sure that there's a chemistry and a connection and a value, that your values are similar. Yeah. Awesome. But, um, how have you seen some of your work, for my own curiosity, but how have you seen some of your work impact people's like physical health and physical practices? I work a lot with pain. So one of the texts that I use is called frequency-specific microcurrent. So I work with a lot of chronic pain, nerve damage, um, and a lot of people who have autoimmunity. And we see them getting more stabilized, their nervous system and brain, their mood, and then their physiology and their physical health getting more stabilized. Um, yeah. And with the neurofeedback, I mean, it's the same. The brain is the, the control center. Yeah, the master system, if you, if you want to get your physical and emotional health optimized, you, you get the brain optimized. If, if you can start there <laughs> and and the other things are part of the same system yeah, yeah information system if you're thinking straight and emotionally positive then your biochemistry is different as opposed to when you're awfulizing and catastrophizing uh and abusing your body uh you know it's all one system and yeah. they, feel that when you're using an entheogen you feel whole 
and it's healing. It, it, you know, there's a lot of research. Joe Dispenza's doing some great stuff with just meditation. Just do this meditation, and people heal themselves of cancer. It's so amazing. It's really cool what he's doing. So um, we have identical twin astronauts now. So they're doing epigenetic studies. The lead scientist over the NASA's studies is on Joe Dispenza's medical research team. They've had so many profound healings from cancer, people getting up out of wheelchairs, walking during these events, that they are going for an NIH grant. And, they, and they're looking at blood levels and hormone levels, and there are profound differences just in his week-long meditation event. Wow. Let alone he's got, you can actually get on his website, he's trained teams across the world to do uh, meditation healings. So you can get on his website and apply to be a healee. Now you've got to provide all your medical records, um, but they're, they're having profound healings and, you know, more and more and more. What is it? The hundredth monkey mm -hmm. effect. You know, once it happens, boom, starts yeah. happening more and more and more. So it's exciting times. It's awesome. What Very cool. <laughs> Very cool. Well, guys, I'm so excited that we got a chance to talk. Can y'all share with people how they can get in contact with y'all? So we've got a website and it's neurosource.net. Um, and our phone number is on there. And like I said, if anybody's interested, we do free phone consultations because uh, we really want to talk to people and understand their situation and understand if this is a good fit. And if it's not a good fit or not your next best step, we're going to tell you that and tell you what we think your next best step might be. Awesome. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, thanks for coming on the MBS Fitness Radio Thank podcast. You. And I hope to talk to you all again soon. MBS Thank Fitness you. Radio. Yeah, appreciate it. Good Out. Thank you all. Thank you for listening to NBS Fitness Radio. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, follow us on social media, and check out our website at www.nbsfitness.net. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more NBS Fitness Radio.